0: welcome to another episode of open mic we're back in the studio and having a really really good time today we have sean dustin on he went to state and federal prison for selling drugs and committing white collar crimes such as making credit cards and other people's names he believes that he went down the wrong road because he was a latch kid who did not have parental guidance or discipline that taught him how to be a responsible member of our society. He says being a lazy kid and not wanting to get a real job led him to a life of crime. While in prison, he realized that there are serious problems with mass, incar- mass incarceration and for-profit prisons that led people or that lead people to spending much more time in prison than necessary. In 9 years on the outside, he's gone from nothing but the shirt on his back to a six-figure income. He's a podcaster FAA-licensed drone pilot, and a decent human being. Sean shares his violent prison experience and other insights on a very popular podcast called Nowhere to Go But Up. You never know who you're going to see. Be one guy one-on-one my whole career. What you're going to hear. Not a lot of desperate people in the city. Or what they've got to say. When you can take people inside of a crime. That's what you're going to hear on my podcast, Open Mic. Find it where you find your podcasts. Let's welcome... Sean Dustin to the show. Hey, Mike, how's
1: it going, man? Thank you for uh, having me on your show and uh, allowing me to uh, try to give your audience uh, a little bit of my story.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Now, I'm not sure if my team says you're a decent human being or if you say you're a decent human being. Which one is it?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess it's all about perspective, right?
0: (laughs) How about I let you know at the end of the show? Fair enough. So, so listen, uh, I mean, you're implying here that you hit rock bottom at some point. Uh, Tell me about, tell me about rock bottom.
1: Well, I mean, you know, there's all, once you get there, I mean, there's only one thing you can do. You can either stay there or you can try to get out of it. Um, You know, I spent a lot of time. um, I spent a lot of time uh, just doing bad behavior, you know, just learn behavior from not having, had a lot of uh, discipline growing up. Uh, my dad was kind of in the picture, but it was, you know, every other weekend. And, you know, that's really not enough time for, I think for a, a male who is uh, like, I'm, I'm a nat, everybody's always told me I was a leader, um, but I would always lead people in the wrong direction. And so somebody who's a child that's got a personality that's, that is that strong definitely needs a male figure, somebody to guide them into how to use that kind of uh, personality charm, whatever you want to call it, how to use that for good instead of use it for bad. Um, I was just left to my own devices. And, you know, one of the things that I was really, really good at was figuring ways out of doing what I was supposed to do, like finding workarounds to get out of doing things that I was supposed to do, like going to school, I would know, figured out a way how to get around that. I just made friends with the the girl that collected the scantrons, you know, each period. And I would just give them things, you know, either pay them five bucks or, you know, whatever to mark me there. Um, you know, it was just stuff like that. And it just progressed until I got older until it got into other things like drugs and selling drugs and, you know, figuring out ways to not have to go to work.
0: So this all led, I know I'm fast forwarding, but you ended up in prison. How Mm -hmm. many years and months did you spend in, inside?
1: I did a total of probably about five altogether. If you were to link all of the time spread out through 18 years, um, and I'd also been in and out of like 15 different institutions from jails to prisons during, going from North Las Vegas, uh, leaving state custody and, and heading into federal custody. I was in North Las Vegas, went to uh, Florence, Arizona, where i saw that there's nine, literally nine CCA f- facilities, which are correctional cap Correctional Corporations of America, which is a private prison industry, and there's nine prisons in this town. So the whole town is nothing but people that work at the prison, and that's not the only town that's like that. I'm sure there's plenty spread out throughout the United States. Um, from there, then I went to uh, you know just up the up till I ended up in uh, in uh, Sheridan, Oregon. And what I had experienced was like this was kind of crazy because a lot of people that I was in, in federal custody with, they were all there for conspiracy charges. I I wasn't. I had done what I was charged with and I was, you know, there to do my time. But I did notice that there was like maybe 50% when I was there, and I think the numbers have, have gone up since, but like 50% of the population there were there because of a conspiracy charge, meaning that somebody just had some hearsay or you know, maybe they did get caught with something, but somebody else came in and, and, and testified against them. And it just ended up, you know, they would sign for 51, you know, for 51 ounces of methamphetamine. And by the time they got to court for sentencing, they had upped it to where they're like, you know, pounds and and kilos. And so it was just like, it was crazy. And I didn't pay much attention to it until I had gotten out and started hearing about it through other people uh, as I was a podcaster. You know, I'm I'm talking to all kinds of different people and stories start coming out. And I'm like, whoa, yeah, that's right. I remember that. And then it really piqued my interest and I started deep diving deeper into it.
0: So. I'm confused what you're saying. I mean, you're. Saying yeah, you know this- what?
1: I just confused myself too. I was like, did I just answer your question or did I go? I have no idea
0: what you're talking about. So <laughs> that so, damn methamphetamine. <laughs> are you Breaking Bad there in that in that big beautiful trailer of yours?
1: Yeah. Right. Hey, where's the doctor? At? <laughs>
0: so. Well, I think, I mean, you were trying to talk, I thought we were going on prison, you know, how messed up our prison system is and all these corporations making oh, yeah. a living and all the judges sentencing, over sentencing people. And, and, you know, I've seen shows about that, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, you know, before we get there, I'm, you know, fascinated about how, uh, you know, a, uh, a decent human being like yourself decided that crime was going to be better, was going to pay better than getting a real job. And I mean, I, I'm confused how that happened.
1: Okay, well, it just kind of did. I mean, I I had started. I had a. What ended up happening is I had a job, but I I would always know people that were in the r- wrong side of the on the wrong side of the law. Right, I always gravitated to those type types of people, and so. I just, you know, if I, if I ever, I would go through these periods where I would do really good, I'd have a job, and then I'd make some money, and then I would convince myself that I deserve, you know, to go out and have a good time. Look how good I'm doing. You deserve to go out and have a good time, buddy. And that would always, the good time would never stop. It just kept going. And then the job would go away and then I'd have to figure out a way, you know, to get some drugs and sell them. And, you know, and a lot of that too, is when I would start that route, I would just sell drugs naturally to pay for my own habit. And like, I was a horrible drug dealer. Don't, don't think that I was making a lot of, a lot of money out there. Cause I was not, Okay. I was getting, I was getting by and getting high and supporting my habit and, Um, basically just being a horrible human being in the process, you know, because that's what I was before I, who I am now, you know, there was a lot of bad behavior, a lot of manipulation, a lot of, uh, you know, just, just not so good behavior from me.
0: And besides drug dealing, what are your favorite crimes was identity theft? Is that true?
1: Yeah. So when I got out of, when I, so the first time I got raided when I was in Las Vegas, because I went from Sacramento to Las Vegas, um, and I had gotten my first daughter's mother pregnant. Um, she was a dancer, and uh, I was like, and I'd gotten into some trouble in in Sacramento where I was living at the time before we moved there. And it it was like the kind of trouble that the person that I had some funk with if I ran into him again, it was going to be either one of, one of us wasn't going to walk away from it. And it probably wasn't going to be, it was going to be me that didn't. And so I was like, well, let's get out of here. You're a dancer. They got plenty of clubs there. That's a great idea for me. Let's go. <laughs> and that's what we did. We moved to Vegas and, uh, you know, just part of what I did, I just manipulated people and I used people for what I needed them for. And once they were, once I was done with them, I just threw them away. I had a daughter with, with her and um, you know, I lost uh, I lost my rights to her or my parental rights um, during that whole process. And uh, yeah,
0: just. So, you know, you reminded me, you're reminding me of a client or two that I've had over the last 30 years. So when I ask a question, you don't answer it. And when we do <laughs> depositions, we're like, just answer the question. Damn it. Um, All right. So I, I'm just playing with you. You seem like a really nice guy, but I was asking you about identity theft and, uh, I have, Oh no yeah, yeah that's here. right. I have yeah. notes here that you got convicted and put away for some identity theft crimes. And I had some questions about yeah. it. Is that true or not true?
1: No, no, it is true. It is true. So, when so I, what, what,
0: how do people protect themselves from identity theft? Okay. So it's very difficult. All
1: right. Because what we would do is we had, uh, so there's these things that are called dumps, right? And whenever somebody, whenever a system gets hacked and information data breaches happen, all of those things, you know, credit card numbers, your all your information, they get collected and they get sold as as information over the dark web, as and they call them dumps. And so basically, what we do is, you know, you hook up with somebody on the dark web through however you get there, and uh, you pay for all this information and uh, you pay for all of this information. And then we would make credit cards, you know, buy blank cards that have the mag strip on the back. Right. And uh, we would basically just encode it with the information that we wanted on it. And we would uh, do, I don't know. We would, we would put different logos or whatever, for whatever kind of bank. So, I mean, basically we were pressing and printing and, and doing all of our own cards through, through this.
0: Tell me about your podcast, nowhere to go, but up. So you got lots of nice reviews. A lot of people seem to like your podcast. What kind of things you talk about on it?
1: Uh, Bottoms life struggles, how people get through it. My um, guests, mostly how they get through it. Um, and it is, so yeah, it's a uh, bottoms life struggles, how my guests get through it. And, uh, in between that, it's like a lot of, uh, my interests, um, stuff that's, uh, that I like to do. Um, I interviewed, like I just interviewed, uh, Spike Cohen, you know, that is no. the, uh, the vice president, vice president candidate, uh, the running mate for Joe Jorgensen for the libertarian party. Okay. You know, so I'm, I'm people like that. I, uh, so are, you have, a libertar- are you a libertarian i don't know this I, I i interviewed my last one 69 was about uh i interviewed the founder of the real progressives so it's it's actually me finding my way because this is going to be the first time or the first year the first time in my life that i've ever voted oh so how old are i'm you? trying to 46
0: good for you it's a good year to vote
1: yeah well you know I, it it just kind of is what it is. So I don't, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I I don't believe in either of those. I think it's just one of the, it's two heads of the same snake. So I'm trying to figure out if where I want to go, if I'm not going to go there. And so by interviewing these people, asking questions that I have uh, uh, questions about, that's kind of the process I'm going through and I'm allowing my audience to follow me through it.
0: That's amazing. I look forward to watching your show. So what do you do when you're not podcasting? Um, I am
1: a mechanical insulator by trade. I'm a union tradesman. And uh, I've been doing that. I've been in that union for about 14 years. And that's kind of the uh, like, that's my real job that pays for all of this. <laughs> um, I'm not currently working right now. Uh, I had a uh, an injury. And so I'm just kind of like dealing with that right now until uh, until probably the, the beginning of the year this should be dealt with. And then I can go back to work and doing whatever it is that I'm trying to do. I'd like to pivot out of, of that and get more involved in, uh, uh, re-entry. I've got a nonprofit that I'm forming right now. I've got the, uh, I have the, it's been incorporated. I'm just waiting for the nonprofit status to, uh, either get accepted or rejected. And once that happens, I'm going to be, uh, trying to figure out, a program that I can put in place for re-entry uh that really it's a holistic approach and it goes from pre-trial all the way through to the halfway house Mm. that we'd be following these individuals usually I'm 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 shooting for one to five years that's an easy easy time frame to follow and not get lost you know I mean in the system whether it's somebody that's got like 10 or 15 years you know and, and i and I plan on Working with them or having a group that works with them while they're in prison to change their behaviors before they get out and then also get them prepared, you know, whether it's through, um, you know, figuring out how to make a resume for them or in a plan of exit when they come out into the halfway house itself. And it'll be for men only because men have to teach men how to be men again.
0: So I'm curious, how many years now have you been on the straight and narrow, narrow, sober, not using drugs, being a a productive member of our society? Uh, when, when did how long has this been going on?
1: Uh, since 2010 is when I, December of 2010 is really when it, uh, where I can remember consciously making wanting to make a change. And then, uh, You know, from that point on, it was just how I was able to do that is I just I made a conscious decision that I wanted to change. And then I started making the steps to doing that. And a lot of it had to do with I had never I had never gotten those skills of how to build my own self-esteem through accomplishing goals, setting goals for myself and accomplishing them. And the end result of that is, oh, wow, well, maybe now I can do this. Once you achieve one goal, you, like, for me, it's been that now I want to do something even, okay, I can do this. Well, let me do this now. And then let me do this. and Let me do this. And it just keeps going higher and higher and higher and higher. And as children, we do that um, normally through like, you know, school and activities and sports and all of this other stuff, which I didn't do, I didn't have. And so I really had to figure out how to redo that
0: for myself as an adult. That's the beauty of setting goals. Yeah. You just want to keep, you just want to keep achieving them. I'm a big goal setter. So I, I, I encourage people to set goals as well, but what was it in December, 2010 that made you say, I'm done with uh, crimes. I'm done with prison. I'm done with, done with going to jail. What, what was it?
1: It was a culmination of things. I mean, it had been, you know, it was like I'm 30 something. I have no retirement. I have nothing to like. I got really nothing. Um, What are you going to do? How are you going to support yourself? I mean, this can't keep going on. You're, you know, you're still doing drugs. I was chasing my, my ex-wife down the highway and she had pulled over on the side of the road and I was trying to manipulate my way back into her life and she wasn't having it. And I was, and you know what I mean? It was just, I was on the side of the road and literally like, um, I had tears were coming down my eyes. It was a busy highway. She's just saying, you're a piece of shit. I'm done with you. Um, and it was just like such a surreal moment. Like I was just like thinking to myself and I think back, how did you get here? You know what I mean? Where are you? And how did you get here? And, and who are you? And yeah, who are you? You know what I mean? What, what, and so it just really forced me to have to take a look at, at what I was doing. And this was probably about a month and a half before I was going back to do a 90 day violation. So it was at that point where I'm like, all right, well, if this is what I'm going to do, I need to quit smoking. So I don't, I'm not kicking while I'm in jail. I need to quit doing the drugs, so I'm not kicking while I'm in jail and a vulnerable target. I'm not going back to prison. I'm going to county jail, which is a lot more dangerous than prison because prison, believe it or not, there are politics there and you just can't you just can't go and beat anybody up. In county jails and city jails, there's no, I mean, it doesn't matter. There's no politics there at all. There is, but it's, it's not the same. You can go and fire on somebody if you wanted to and nothing's going to happen to you. So I, all, knowing all of this, I stopped doing that. And then when I got there, I was able to have a clear head and uh, and be able to formulate a goal within the 90 days that I was there to get out and, and, and figure it out. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, what, what kicked it off is I started playing adult slow pitch softball. And so that took me away from the group that I was hanging out with before, put me into a new group, and then I just started, like, obsessing about, Oh, I want to softball. Okay. Now I'm obsessed with this. So I started getting really good at it and this and that I didn't like the league I was playing in. So I started my own league and that was the, and that was where it kicked it all off. Cause once I realized I could do that, then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to become a tournament director now and start running my own tournaments. Then I started sponsoring teams and taking them to Vegas to play in, in like bigger tournaments. And it was just, it, it just allowed me to see that, Hey man, maybe you're, Maybe you're not stupid. Like everybody said, maybe you can do some stuff. You know, maybe you are smart and that whole, that self-talk that you need to, to have that's positive to drown out the negative that you're used to telling yourself.
0: That's a, that's a good message. That's a good story. I mean, and guess what? Nowhere to go, but up, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Nowhere to go, but up now. Well, listen, Sean Dustin, I'm looking forward to watching your or listening to your podcast. I assume it's an audio podcast.
1: Well, it's audio, and it's also uh, on YouTube. I have oh. a YouTube channel. I do a live stream, so I mean, it goes. What what happens to it is, I do it as a podcast first. I release it on you know uh, uh, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all the major podcast platforms, and then a couple of weeks later, I'll do a live stream uh, replay, which. Will put it out to YouTube. It'll put it out to my Facebook group. It'll put it out to my Facebook page. So I mean, I literally have it's it's all over
0: there. That's great. I look forward to watching. I'm going to get you the copy of this episode. Share it as you like. Okay. And um, it was really nice meeting you. You too. Can I plug one thing first? Of course.
1: Okay. So I'm one of the founders of IndiePods United. And we are doing a virtual podcast uh, a convention. It's a summit, and okay. you can find it at IndiePods or IndiePodsUnited.com. And you can sign up there uh, to to join if you're a podcaster, if okay. you have a show. Uh, there's going to be over 100 uh, different things to do there uh it's going to be five days long and 12 hours a day so i mean it's wow. going to be not it's going to be non-stop there'll be games comedians entertainment uh breakout sessions uh keynote speakers the whole game all
0: this is all live obviously not no no uh not all virtual. live when, when yep, is all, it
1: it's going to be i believe it's going to be november 29th through december 3rd in what city it's going to be virtual oh it is virtual Virtual. That's what we're doing. We're doing something different that hasn't been done yet. Uh, You know, with the, with the comedians and the entertainment and uh, the game shows that we're going to implement, there may be a, uh, a, a version of zoom blind date uh, that we do.
0: Okay. That sounds interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm going to definitely check that out.
1: Yeah. Indiepodsunited.com. And if you want to find me and my show or anywhere that I'm at uh, it is link tr dot ee forward slash nowhere to go but up
0: you got it sean nice to meet you man good luck stay stay uh stay cool and stay sober and don't do drugs (laughs) yeah right all
1: right brother thank you
0: Bye bye okay there you had it sean i'm gonna do that again sean dustin from nowhere to go but up that was uh Uh, Now I'll say no to go, but up now, he wasn't answering my questions. I had to wrangle him a little bit, but he seems like a really nice guy and check out his properties, check out his YouTube, check out his Facebook. And, uh, if you like this show and you know, anybody who's a podcaster or who's just had a hard time, this guy made his way back from a, from a pretty tough life. It sounds so please subscribe, like comment, share, and thanks for supporting our show, Open mic. See you next time.